Hello and welcome to another Political Yeti Politics podcast. Uh, I'm James Miller and it's another In Conversation podcast this week. Um, after last week's effort was quite successful, quite popular it turned out. Uh, and this week it is my guest Stephen Gethins. He's the SNP Brexit spokesman. So there's some useful stuff in here if you want to know where the SNP stand on Brexit. And he makes the uh, SNP case for independence within Europe as well as anybody I've heard, I would say. Um, there's also some stuff about, uh, a lot about fish, it turned out. Uh, um, appearance by some badgers. Uh, a discussion about uh, where Antwerp is. Uh, a bit of James Bond and a new prize jingle. So uh, lots to look forward to there. Uh, do enjoy, and if you like it, please subscribe on iTunes or your preferred podcasting app. Um, and uh, yeah, like and subscribe, as they say, that would be marvellous. And uh, contact details are at the end of the podcast if you want to get in touch to discuss anything. Thanks. Uh, enjoy this chat. <laughs> Yeah, New Year, same old party horn. Um, I did promise new jingles, and there will be a new jingle, but that one stays. Uh, hello, and welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics podcasts. Uh, I'm James Miller, and this week I am joined by uh, one person, one MP, Stephen Gethins, the SNP MP for North East Fife, and his party's Brexit spokesman. Europe Hello. spokesperson, thank oh, you. Yeah, that'd be your Brexit as well, right? Uh, I do both, yeah. yeah. You, you you, Europe, Europe and shadowing David Davis' wait, 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 um, the, department it? to leave the European Union. and Yeah, De- Dexu. Dexu, yes. Yeah. Okay. Dexu doesn't quite roll off well, the tongue, does it? All right, what else are you going to talk about in Europe these days other than <laughs> Brexit? Come on. There's lots to talk There's lots going on in Europe amongst our European partners. And well, all right, but nobody wants to talk about it <laughs> apart from Brexit. Come on. Uh, anyway, nice it, was a, it was a fine jingle. Uh, yeah, that's that's the, the theme tune. New jingle. You might not say the same after you've heard the new one. Um, let's start by talking about uh, Westminster, because you've now, yep. it's uh, a new year, you have done a calendar year in Westminster. Mm. Um, how's it been, overall? Is it everything you expected? I mean, I know you've done 18 months, but... phenomenally busy. I mean, as the as the Europe spokesperson, I, I was... Um, you know, I'd been an MP for about a fortnight and then I was leading on the EU referendum bill for my party and then it hasn't really stopped since. So it's been quite the political roller coaster. but then I think it's been quite the political roller coaster for everybody. Yes, indeed. So I don't think I've been alone in that. But it's, do you know what? If, if, if you're going to start a new job, as I did in May 2015, then you might as well just get stuck straight in. Um, you mentioned being busy. Mm. Um, let's go to this SNP press release out today. Yeah. Uh, you have found that the SNP are the hardest working MPs in Westminster. Absolutely. Because they say Scottish a lot. One of the facts was that the number <laughs> of times doing? Scotland and Scottish has been mentioned has shot up since the SNP turned up. Well, we are... Is that evidence that you're hardworking? Well, first of all, we're there to represent our constituents. And if Scotland's getting a a louder voice down in Westminster, then that's what we promised to do in the election of May 2015, and we're delivering on that. And also, it's not just that. If you think about it, I think about my own portfolio, but I talk about Europe a lot, Europe and Scotland, but Europe and the rest of the UK too. 
Also in terms of my foreign affairs committee work, I've been doing work talking about Syria, Yemen, um, Russia and the former Soviet space, and, and elsewhere as well. But yeah. it's, no, it's no bad thing that Scotland gets a stronger voice down at Westminster. I mean, you make my point for me. Exactly. There's all sorts of things to talk about, like Syria and Russia and stuff. If you just happen to say Scotland at the end of your sentence, that doesn't necessarily mean you're working harder than the people but tell you replaced, what, does it? We don't just happen to say Scotland at the end of it. So what, what I'm saying is that we can talk about the foreign affairs stuff, you know, what, what's the using cluster munitions in Yemen, how do we deal with Russia, um, the debate that, that, that we had around bombing in Syria. But it doesn't mean to say that we can't also, because we're hard working, talk about how does um, leaving the European Union impact on Scottish industries? How do we help Scottish universities to thrive? You know, those in North East Fife and elsewhere in Scotland as well. I mean, I suppose I also raise the issue because I think it's a quote that I've used in two different columns, frankly, at the end of last year from an SNP source saying we're doing an awful, awful lot of work, but we're doing a lot of it awfully. I don't necessarily so, agree with that. No, with, with, but with the suggestion was that SNP MPs are keeping very busy but a lot of it is Westminster Hall debates or um, a German debates and stuff that doesn't really have an impact well, as such. Wait a minute. I mean, a lot of people have described us as the effective opposition at Westminster. And I think there's a lot to that because we're the only people really keeping Tory government to account. I mean, you think about Europe's a good one, but you also think about welfare changes. Um, these are areas where we're holding the government to account in a way that, frankly... Labour just haven't been since the election. But there's only 54 of you. You can't really hold the government to account, can you? Well, we're having to at the moment. I mean, we're the but most effective what, how can group you? of right. any you can, size. You can say, ah, you're rubbish Tories, but they can go, well, there's only 50 no, of we you. can't. But like, it's, it's, for example, at PMQs yesterday, where Theresa May just said a mad thing to... It was Chris Law was the first question. Yeah. And she just said, well, you want to leave the EU by having independence. Well, she also got, Which, she also got the party's name wrong at PMQs yesterday as uh, well. well. So Theresa May's not... not that wasn't off to a great start in terms of... Um, in, in terms of Scotland. And in terms of this crazy stuff that she's talking about, Scotland wanting to leave the EU, I think that well, demonstrates... The EU. Well, I think, I think it, it demonstrates her lack of grasp of Scottish politics. Well, I would suggest a lack of grasp of any politics. Well, I, I think, Scotland yeah, leaving okay, the yeah. EU... <laughs> On her terms, got yes, leaving the EU, so I don't yeah. really get... Having, having Theresa May and her colleagues told us that the only way we could stay part of the EU was to stay part of the UK Union. Uh, did they say it was the only way? Ruth Davidson said something like that. Well, yeah, well, I think she said it was the only way. I think there's the some, way, anyway, sorry, the way you remain in the, in the European Union is by yes. voting no to independence. Which in 2014 was true. Not for very long. No, I mean, their, their promises didn't time. last very long, did they? Um, do you think she calls you the Scottish Nationalist Party on purpose? I don't know. I mean, I think Theresa May should be um, dealing with the big issues rather than taking a dig. But I do think they should, should try and get the, the name of the third biggest party in Parliament right. I think that would be a good place to start. I think Tories do it on purpose to wind you up. And it works, because you brought <laughs> it up. You see, they're all tweeting about it. Um, you, as you say, you... you Fired straight into the Brexit stuff almost immediately upon arrival in yeah. Westminster, uh, which has kept your profile up. Uh, I've also written columns about what a great man you are. That's very complimentary. Yes. Some people might have called your judgment into um, into question for that, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Are you the SNP M- SNP's best MP? No, I don't think so. We've got Who some is? very fine MPs. I think Angus is doing a fantastic job as leader. Um, we've got a whole range. Alex's been great having Alec there with his 
his experience. Ailey Whiteford on the DWP stuff has been outstanding. Patrick Grady on international development. I think we've got a whole range of MPs doing fantastic work. Who's the best? I would say... It's very difficult to choose which one's the yeah, best. Yeah, yeah, come on. This is, the, this is the new post-Trump era. You're not allowed to give politicians <laughs> answers. You've got to actually answer the question. Who's the best? <laughs> well, no, if it's a post-Trump era, then you're well, talking you about fake you, news. Yeah, yeah you, right. you, you can say what you like. It <laughs> might, and, and might yeah. not mean it. But yeah. um, I think oh, I, I really do. I'm, I think I'm really lucky to have a fantastic group of colleagues who bring a wide variety of strengths or from a wide range of backgrounds as well. And I think having that strength in a group has been really good and is why we're the effective opposition. Yeah, see, you haven't answered the question, have you, about who's the best? Is it Mary Black? I think it's difficult. I think Mary She gets brilliant. the most listeners when she comes to the podcast. So on that basis, I'm not, I'm not I surprised. Think she's the best. Well, good. She is, she is an <laughs> excellent MP. People um, at Paisley are lucky to have her. Let's talk Brexit, right? Scotland is leaving the EU, right? Yeah. Whether it's well, it or not. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Um, let's see. No, Scotland are leaving the EU. Well, right? Yeah, well, the Scottish government have put forward their proposals that would take us out of the EU but keep us, um, retain membership of the single market. There's nothing the Scottish government have put forward that has not been ruled in or out by the UK government at the moment. But you accept there is no way for Scotland to stay in the EU now. There I might be a way for Scotland to get back in the EU, but it is leaving. Well... It looks like it's, 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 it's leaving, but look, we've got no timetable from the UK government at the moment. You know, we're even stuff about things can get pushed back a bit. You know, when Article 50 will be triggered, we've been told it'll be by the end of March, yeah. but, you know, I mean, let's see. Come on, it's going to be think, by the end of March. I think it has to be seen as believing with this government at the moment. Is that because um, they are a shambles, or is that because they're keeping things secret? No, I think it's because they're a shambles. They don't know what I mean, doing. look, if you can't... I don't know how you negotiate if you can't even give the top lines of your negotiation. I can understand why you might not have a line on, um, you know, I don't know, one of the minor subsections of the Maastricht Treaty or the Amsterdam Treaty or something like that, but the big ticket issues like freedom of movement, single market, the, the, the right of EU nationals and UK nationals living in Europe to stay and work, when you can't even give an opinion around that, I think it underlines shambles, Brexit right. shambles. Oh, is that your you, that 2017? That's going to be the word of the year come the end just of this off year. Just off the top of my head, it's not. <laughs> OED's word of the year will be Brexit Shambles. Brexit Shambles. Uh, that'd be a good band. I'm thinking of Baby Shambles, aren't they? They weren't a very good band. Ooh, that's a controversial opinion. Um, you mentioned the single market. Hmm. Do you understand what the single market is? Well, I do, because I've worked in Brussels for, for a number do of you? years. Because yeah, Dominic I mean, Cummings, uh-huh. the delightful man who led Vote Leave wrote that rambling yeah. blog post at the start of this week uh, and he said nobody really understands what the single market is or a customs union Do you know I think it's really easy to say nobody understands it if nobody understood it you wouldn't have umpteen treaties I'm not saying it's not complicated but look this this goes to the fundamental heart of the EU the EU is complicated and it can be a wee bit messy but that's the price you pay for bringing 28 sovereign states, and remember the decisions lie with the states, together and try and get them to agree um, on a common set of rules. It's also why the European Court of Justice is really important, because if you're there with 28 other member states, just then having somebody who can agree on the, the rules becomes really, really important. If you understand the single market, and obviously I do as well, um, but I'm just testing you, um, what does it mean to Scotland in terms of being in or out? You know, well, in, yeah, okay. You know, concrete issues. 
well, look, concrete issues are, look, here's, here's one. So we talk about, I, I think that the fishing industry, for instance, has been ill-served by, by Europe. It was described as expendable when, when, when we first went in. Um, but being members of the single market means that you can take your fresh fish straight out of the water and you'll have articulated trucks from Madrid, France, so that 24 hours later it can be sitting on plates. Now, the rules and regulations that, that, to export that quickly and effectively so that your goods can be cleared, for instance, in the, the port of Rotterdam or else, elsewhere, that's what it means to be part of the single market. And it's not just food and drink, it can be across a whole range of different services and goods as well. But that is an interesting one you chose there. Uh, well, yeah, I was hoping you'd choose whiskey because that's straightforward. But fishing right now, I mean, this is literally the price of fish. Yeah. Um, I've sat around a table with a load of men, men from the fishing industry, mm. uh, who all said, we all voted out, Europe is terrible, we will be able to land like gajillions more fish now, now that we're out. So the fishing industry is actually in favour of leaving the EU. So if they leaving the, the EU, but well, the I single market. Did, did they say they're in favour of leaving the single market or not when you spoke to them? I can't remember. Right. They were fishermen, I wasn't paying that much to it. Not, not, I'm anti-fishermen per se, but you, you know, I'm no fishing expert. You should listen closely to but your fishermen I don't remember them saying them. anything about the single market particularly. It was more right. about increasing okay. the boundaries of where but we can fish. But this is like, there's a sort of difference between EU single market membership, getting that fresh produce into the markets. Now, I can't blame fishermen for, 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 for where they are, but as I said during the referendum, the fishing industry and the way it was treated under the EU was a failure of member state rather than a failure of the EU in particular. The fishing industry was described as being expendable in the broader UK industry, so in, interests, the fishing industry is expendable. That was said you know, mm-hmm. by a, a Whitehall okay. official. So I think in, in that regard, and, and, and others have their own views, and that's fine, but I think in that regard, that was a failure of the member state not making fishing a priority. Okay, but from what you're saying in terms of fishing, and these podcasts are weird, you end up talking about stuff you weren't expecting to talk about, uh, but in terms of fishing, it sounds like we are better outside the EU, though they can expand where we can fish, but inside the single market. Well, that sounds like the best of all worlds. No, I campaigned to be part of the European Union, so I think being part of the European Union is better overall for Scotland's economy. What I've said is that it's not perfect, that there are failings, and one of the failings has been the fishing industry. Well, but it sounds like, like I say, actually, being out, if we could get a deal where we're outside the EU, we lose the EU red tape, well, okay, but right. we get access to the single market, so that'd be great. Now, okay. of course, the question is whether we can get that, I guess. But look... Well, the question is if you can get it. And one thing that's been really interesting, you've seen Commissioner Hogan's comments this week and elsewhere with the, with the Irish becoming, EU27 becomes important, is that we sometimes forget that we are negotiating with somebody. You don't just get everything you want. The EU27 will look after their interests first and foremost. But in terms of the EU, let, let me look more broadly. So I have fishing interests, let's say, in, in, in my constituency, if I can be selfish for a moment mm. and talk about that. But I also have, and this is where the EU becomes so important, the university sector, sure. you know, biggest employer, University of St Andrews, and there are other very fine institutions across Scotland and elsewhere in the UK. But if you think about, for instance, the expertise that lies in a university, sure. Horizon 2020 funding, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some examples. I'll give you two examples. One are the researchers who are maybe, um, some, some of the post-PhD researchers, some of whom are, are young, can travel anywhere, you know, they can get funding elsewhere in Europe, the freedom of movement has gives them the ability to stay in St Andrews, good quality of life, they bring their skills and expertise to the city, or to the town rather, and they make that town a richer place to to be, and they also benefit us from this, the skills that they bring. 
Another one, if you go, if you like, further down, is Erasmus. Now, I was an Erasmus student. This is I, where you take a year, you, you essentially do a, a, a year uh, of your, like an exchange, essentially. You go to a European yeah, university and yeah. European students can so come to, to my, UK universities. My, my experience was I did a four-year law degree, first and second year in Dundee. First half of um, my honours, if you like, was in Antwerp. Second half was in Dundee. Third year in Antwerp, fourth year in Dundee. Now, at the same time, students from Antwerp went to Dundee. So the skills and experience that I got from living and studying in Antwerp and it didn't matter what, what my background was, you know, from a range of backgrounds, because you got a bit of extra cash to cover your flight over there, um, enough to make it affordable. But the skills that I was fortunate enough to bring back were invaluable to me. And and, and also it enriched, I'd like to think it, it made the University of Antwerp a little bit richer. It certainly made Dundee a more interesting place to study with having students from um, different places going there as well. That's just a small element of what it means to be okay. part of the European Union, but an important one. Did you go because you wanted to go to Holland or did you go because you'd spent two years in Dundee and just wanted to go anywhere else? Um, well, Antwerp's in Belgium. Oh, uh, no! <laughs> is it? Yes, it is. I would never have known that. That's terrible. That's outrageous. You've just, look at that as a pub quiz I disaster. I've never been to Erasmus, you see. No, but, uh, I should have done, clearly should have done not. Actually, do you know what? One of the things when I was, because Erasmus was important to me, I remember leaving. Diamonds, isn't it? It's diamonds. It's diamonds. It, I still would have thought it was in Holland. Nope. I mean, I don't want to argue because you've been there. I'm, well, I'm guessing you actually know yeah, where yeah, it is. It is in Belgium. I would have sworn in Belgium. It was Tell you what, I'll make you feel oh. better. It's not far from the Dutch border. That's bizarre. It's in um, it's in Diamonds of Forever, isn't it? Isn't it? At the start of Diamonds of Forever. That's why I've sworn that. Tell you what, your James Bond knowledge is better than my. Um, well, that's I know, you, it's, it's better, better than your Europe knowledge. Something Post used to have an office that contained the lift. That was used in a fight scene at the start of Diamonds of Forever, which was wow. meant to be in Antwerp, I'm sure. Anyway, uh, we are diverging. Slightly. We are very diverging. Um, but anyway, that's. Um, I, was, uh, I tried to I, fly I off Dundee and ended up looking like an idiot. There's <laughs> a, a, a lesson in life for you. It's a lesson um, for you. No, do you know, when I, when I went to university originally, I actually, one of the things, because it was important to me when I was leaving school, um, I actually looked at the Erasmus options in the different universities. You know, when you go to sure. sort of fifth and sixth year and you yeah. go and you consider your options. I Erasmus was always important to me. Um, and I'm glad I did it and I would encourage any of your listeners to go and do it should well, they, they get the opportunity. Well, they can. Get well, they still can. Um, yeah, all right, you said it's called... Well, I'd love to see that as something that, that, that we try and protect as well. Anyway. I mean, there's an issue there. You agree this, this whole Brexit stuff is really complicated. Yeah, it's, it's, now, yeah. how much influence can you, the SNP, have on that? Given you have 56 MPs, Given Theresa May, if she wants to, can just tell Nicola Sturgeon where to get off and ignore her. Well, you're, um, you're, you're right in a sense in that if we were an independent member state of the European Union, we would be much more influential and we wouldn't be currently facing the prospect of leaving the EU against our will. But as, remember, we've got 56 out of 59 MPs, you know, as this is as mm-hmm. large a Scottish contingent as you're going to get. Um, we have to use every power at our disposal. Now, at the moment, the government's a shambles. And that means that having constructive measures that you can put forward and try and debate, such as Scottish Government paper that, that, that came out mm. just before Christmas time, um, is a way that you can try and use your influence as far as possible. But there, there, there is an issue here, which is no matter what Scots vote for, we can be outvoted overwhelmingly by people from elsewhere in the European, sorry, in the United Kingdom, and that's something that's applied to 
Trident welfare changes, even the Scotland Act, where we had every MP in Scotland bar one voting for some of the, the, the measures in the, the Scotland Act, we still lost out. Freudian slip there, because you said... European Union, but wasn't it Freudian did. slip? Because European and Union can't tell you to do very Scotland much. Scotland is independent, you are still going to be, it is still going to be a small country in a group of 28, then if Europe's got, got back in, and... You know, again, how much influence would you actually have? The European Union would make up the fishery rules and you'd have to suck them up. No, you wouldn't. Why not? Because, you, because as an so the most powerful um, institution in, in, in Europe, far and away, is the council. Right. Which is made up of 28 yeah. independent member states. Yeah. The current president of the council is yes, Malta is with 400,000 people. Oh, right, but he hasn't right. got much influence. Come on. No, they, they will. As an independent member state, they, they, they will have influence in setting the agenda. They have huge amounts of influence. Now, like anything, hold on, James, like anything, there's a certain amount of give and take in the European yeah. Union. Okay? That, you know, that's why the UK described the fishing industry as expendable in a way the Scottish government never, ever could do. Never, ever could do. So there is a certain amount of give and take, but there's a bit of give and take in every walk of life. The most sovereign country in the world is uh, North Korea, you know, in terms of not really um, participating in international organisations. There is always going to be an element of surrendering some of your sovereignty when you're cooperating with your international partners. But the European Union is made up of 28 sovereign member states who can call the shots. I bet, come on, you know as well as I do, some can call more shots than others. You know, I get your point about Malta can uh, have some no, agenda, on the agenda, but... Malta can't sit and go, well, right, here's what we're going to discuss. Well, we're going to discuss fisheries in the North Sea because clearly everyone will go, well, shut up, you've got nothing yeah, to Mal- do with it. Malta so they have to think creatively about what they can influence. So what's important to Malta? Well, the fishing industry in the Mediterranean is important to them. What else? So they can bring that at the top table. Remember we, remember we have is, to go, do you know what's interesting to Malta? Tourism. What's, uh, tourism, but also right now the refugee crisis. Because, yes, yeah. because of UK-French military intervention in Libya, which caused a failed state. Remember, nothing to do with the European Union. Everything to do with failed policy in the Quai d'Orsay and in Whitehall. Um, you're a failed state. Now, Malta, as a country of 400,000, is being flooded with refugees, but you have an EU operation in the Mediterranean. That's not perfect, but it's an area where Malta, along with working with Italy and Greece, has been able to use its influence in the European Union to ensure that you have... More attention being paid from the UK, the Netherlands, Sweden, Germany. All right, I take your point that Libya is a problem for Malta, but I would challenge that the problem was caused by the French and the British. Surely the problem was caused by Colonel Gaddafi being a right old baddie. Well, nobody's denying that Colonel Gaddafi was a right old baddie. But as you'll see in the Foreign Affairs Committee report, and actually, it as, was, as, right, as, as Barack, Barack Obama was asked, what, what was the worst mistake of your presidency? You know, in the dying days of the Obama presidency at the yeah. moment, he was asked, what's your worst mistake? And Barack Obama said that Libya and their failure to plan afterwards. Yeah. So the failure to plan afterwards was not the fault of Colonel Gaddafi. The failure to plan afterwards, yeah. just as a failure to plan in Iraq and Afghanistan, yeah. you name it, was a failure of French, British, and to a certain extent American foreign policy. Uh, all right. Yes, I just want to to point out that Colonel Gaddafi has some sort of. Oh God! Look, there, there, there is nobody. He was right. a deeply unpleasant. Um, <clears throat> dictator who, who, who retains a great deal of culpability for what happened in Libya but if you're intervening in another country and taking military action you have responsibility for the aftermath of the conflict as well as um, as, as well as during that conflict Fine, let's move on from that okay. to, don't go back to something you said about give and take, yeah. because 
if you're going to have give and take with your international partners, mm -hmm. why not give and take with the country with whom you do the most trade, with whom you have the most historic ties? Because, the fundamental because, question is, why leave the UK? Why do you want to leave the UK Union much. and stay in the EU Union? Because they're totally different unions. The, union, the European Union is a club for independent member states. The UK yeah. is not. There's very little the EU can force you to do. There's a great deal the UK can force you to do. We've just been through the process with 56 out of 59 MPs and we can still get outvoted on issues. Six, you know, 62%, almost you know, two to one margin in favour of staying part of the European Union in Scotland and we're still being taken out. That's not a whole lot of give and take. Fine, but then the, lot of take. isn't the point there then, as you see it, the amount of give and take? In which case the answer is some federal UK. Well, hold on. Rather than cutting ties completely. Well, first of all, but you're not cutting ties completely. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> Ireland, did Ireland cut its ties completely? You know, it's still got a very important bilateral relationship with the United Kingdom. Yeah, we didn't you get know. on with them for quite a long time before well, that. Well, you know, well, what, what right. about all sorts of countries? Look at Sweden and Norway, how well they get on. You know, these are Netherlands and Belgium, you've, you know, which have... Um, basically the same. We are basically the same, according to you. Um, you know, these are countries where, give and take, and they actually work better together as independent member states where they can make decisions on their own merits that suit themselves at some points and they can pool sovereignty and work together at other times. Because, I mean, as I understand it, the, the, the problem... Also, sorry, can I just finish the point on yeah. give and take, which is, as, as things stand, the Scottish government has compromised, or the SNP's compromised quite significantly around... We want to remain part of the European Union, as you pointed out quite rightly earlier on in the interview. But we're talking about, you know, we've gone a bit of distance trying to compromise with the UK government. UK government haven't responded to that. So let's see if there's any give and take around the Scottish government's plans for what happens next. Right, fine, because that seems to be the, the fundamental problem, uh, the problem that independence will solve, if you like, is that democracy or government is done to Scotland mm -hmm. by Whitehall or by Westminster or whatever you want to put. But isn't that still going to be a problem if you're outside the UK and in the EU? That Brussels will do government to you. But government, but Brussels can. This is a fundamental misunderstanding with the EU. Brussels cannot... There, you can't you know, sit there and veto can, everything, can, can you? I mean, that, well, no, but, but, will be but, done but, that you're but, not entirely but, happy about. But that happens in international contexts anyway when you work elsewhere. You've got to... It works in trade. You do not just trade with the rest of the world purely on your own terms. Sure. You wouldn't get very far. Yeah. So it's like in the European Union, There's some we, we benefit overwhelmingly. So you have to look, where is our national benefit? Universities is a good example. You know, so we... we look, hold more. on, hold on, James. Hold on. We lose, for instance, right? Let's take the university sector. We lose really skilled um, and talented academics and others who work in the university sector to other EU countries because people get great opportunities in other EU yeah. countries they're able to go and live and work there they get great skills and experience and I hope that they bring them back to Scotland at some point you know and, and others like Germany and elsewhere will hope to keep those skills the flip side is we get fantastically talented people who contribute enormously to our economy contribute to our society and so overall even though we lose some good folk else, elsewhere and I wish them luck and it's a great and I've done yeah. it we gain an awful lot. So that's where's a good example of give and take in the European Union. 
there must be more traffic between England and Scotland in terms of academic of expertise is. than there is between the rest of Europe. Do Scotland. you know what? Just like there's still a lot of traffic between Scotland and Norway and Scotland and Iceland and Ireland and the rest of the UK. There must be significantly know. more between England. Well, there, the, 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 yeah, the, the, there is a lot, but that's not going to fall off a cliff. It's not. It's not as if it's not as if if Scotland remains part of the European Union, it's all going to stop. Just in the way. Do you know something? But it David, might, hold but it on. Might if England is out of the European well, Union? Well, right? David, David Davis, the um, yes. Dexu yeah. Secretary of State, right? Yeah. Brexit Secretary of State, shorthand, mm. said Ireland does not choose need to choose between the UK and the rest of the European Union. So why should that be the case for Ireland, but not be the case for Scotland? Because they left a hundred years ago, so it's all smoothed over by now. But then, right? Like, no, I don't know. These links, the trade will go on. English will still want to buy Scotch whiskey. We'll still want to get double Gloucester cheese. You know, that's that yeah, you, still be you the case. You told me there's like some Frenchman in St Andrews making black holes in a lab. Yes, oh, he is. We don't yeah. want him anywhere near the country. I think. <laughs> he's like he's doing phenomenal. The, the University of St Andrews Physics Department is doing phenomenal I'm work. Convinced he's like the most dangerous. He's more dangerous than Donald Trump. Um, why are you not campaigning for a second referendum on the EU? Because we won the referendum in Scotland on the EU and we need to see what comes out from the UK government. It's very difficult to make plans for anything in the future when you don't know what's going to come out of the UK at the moment. So, do you know, this is something that strikes me is that people want... The, the Scottish government have came out the day after the EU referendum and set out our priorities. Um, a hefty paper has been produced by the Scottish government um, and during all of this time, we've had, we're almost seven months on, we've had zip, zero, zilch from the UK government. So, you know, if you're going to have a dialogue, it needs to be a two-way process. The, the, the question I pose is precisely because, as you well know, there was a referendum in Scotland on independence, and the SNP now go, ah, well, we might have another one. I mean, you oh. know, if there's a material change in circumstances. Yeah. which, which there's w- yeah. been an EU referendum which was closer than the independence referendum, not in Scotland. And, well, no, but UK-wide, you could have a UK-wide referendum, and nobody's saying, well, although in Scotland you could also argue, why not have another one? What, because that one went the way you want, so you go, we're not going to have another referendum. Well, that. no, because we, we, there's a clear well, mandate. the independence referendum went the wrong way, so we don't, we're going to have well, another one of them. Also, but, you know, but you get the, the point is, um, you know, why not say, if there's a material change in circumstances, we should have a second EU referendum? Well, look, what we've well, first of all you can do it but what 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 we did and this was the right thing to do is that the scottish or the smp put if there's a material change of circumstances mm-hmm. such as the uk yes. leaving the eu against yes. its will and it, and the smp put that in our manifesto yeah and it was elected on that manifesto yeah right so you have an electoral democratic mandate for that within the manifesto right so you know, that's, that's why you have manifestos at elections and people choose their future based on that manifesto. Now, we have no idea what's going to come out of the UK government at the moment. You know, we're, we're yeah. getting hints here and there, but we're not getting much. But there could be a material change in circumstances. Like, like what? I don't know, Greece falls out of Europe, or uh, there's another financial crisis, or... Uh, but you're, but you're you using... Know, or everybody actually starts listening to Mark Carney for once and realises yeah. the economy is going to go down yeah. the pan and then they, that's... They, everybody goes, OK, we better change our minds. You're using, Let's have another referendum. You're using lots and lots of hypotheticals in a sense that the, the SNP set out in very clear terms what those circumstances will be. People in Scotland, the voters, then went to the polls and they re-elected the SNP. Yeah, OK. Overwhelmingly. Yeah, fair enough. Um, 
but you can see why some people say, well, some referendums seem to be set in stone and other ones are not. Well, that's why you seek a democratic mandate for your manifesto. Well, there's no elections for ages, is there? There's no manifestos to draw <laughs> well, up. I know you've got local happens, elections, but you can't put that in a local election manifesto. Um, we, we sort of touched on how you can uh, influence things in Westminster and all the rest of it. Uh, the obvious response or answer is uh, the Progressive Alliance. Mm-hmm. Right, you can influence a lot more if you get to bed with Labour and the Lib Dems and everybody else. Which doesn't mean right. Getting into bed is a wrong term, but well, work, work with it's colleagues. A, it's a turn of phrase. I don't mean literally getting into bed with Keir Starmer. You know, he's, <laughs> no. he's not a bad looking man. But, not you know. sure, Mrs. Keir Starmer. Uh, no, exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. Matter, but you know, but, yeah. it's just a turn of phrase. <laughs> um, I know West, he wasn't been in Westminster long enough to pick up on that sort of stuff going on. Um, but yeah, that seems the obvious way to have more heft. Yeah, and we do, look, it's no secret that, that, that we seek to work together with colleagues from other parties. Now, if you have a look at some of the motions that we put down, we will try and get signatories for, um, you know, for our amendments. Similarly, I remember last year when the EU referendum bill was going through, as I talked about earlier on, you know, I'd try and get with some of our amendments on vote EU nationals, 16-year-olds, we'd get people from other parties. In fact, David Davis even backed a motion of mine um, well, calling for the, the referendum not to be held on the 23rd of June. Well, he's probably changed his mind again on that. He's changed I, his mind I again. Suggest. Just in, in the same way he changed his mind on the bill that he put forward that, um, yes. yeah, that we shouldn't have the royal prerogative. Indeed. Um, but if you do work together, I, I, the, the question, I suppose, about the whole progressive alliance, it seems to make a lot of sense, but of course you've got mm. people in Scotland going, well, no, that leaves Scottish Labour completely dead. Scottish Labour's completely dead anyway, isn't it? Well, Scottish Labour are not doing themselves any favours at the moment, but I think, look, w- w- this is such a serious situation in terms of Europe, and it has such a big impact. I mean, this isn't just something that affects political world at Westminster or elsewhere. I can't think of a single sector that this will not have an impact on. And that means jobs, it means the economy, it means people's um, quality and standard of living. It has a significant impact. Therefore, when you have as big an issue as this is, you have a responsibility to try and work together with people from all political parties where you can. So it's an issue by issue approach well, to right the progressive alliance, until, which is, which is well, politics, let's but, say, but, so that's no, but, wrong with that. But we also have no details from the UK government, so it becomes difficult yeah. not to deal with it on an issue by issue basis. Yeah, but I mean more broadly, not just on Brexit, but on other issues, well, there, are, there is but you, space you, to work together. You've also got the Scottish Government paper on a future plan, which, which mm. deals with a whole range of issues, and we'll be seeking support for that from other you know if, if there are bits of that that other parties like then that's that's a good thing in the same way to be fair if, if you think about the way the UK as a whole works now you've got you know the SNP in government in Scotland Labour in government in Wales Conservatives in government in um, mm-hmm. at Westminster up until nobody in government in Northern, nobody Ireland. In government in Northern <laughs> Ireland but up until recently Sinn Féin and the DUP and as far as possible you know we try and work with colleagues from Across the United Kingdom, on this on this issue, and which means that you're you're building coalitions of a number of different political parties. Okay, this might lead me on nicely to the new jingle, um, which is uh, which I did promise new jingles for Christmas, and I didn't just do this last night. Honest, I had it done ages ago. Um, this is my new feature, which I've planned meticulously. Called well, you'll see what it's called when I play the jingle. Uh, it goes like this. I love your questions. I love your questions. Jazzy. 
Jazzy. It's called I Love Your Questions. <laughs> I like that one. Um, the first question is, who's that saying I love your questions? Do you know? Can you guess? I have no idea. Ah, it's an uh, MP. It's an MP. Oh, what is it? I'll have to come up with a prize for the person who can name oh, that I MP. I don't know. Right, I'll have to sit and listen to that later um, on. I need to turn her up as well a bit so you can actually hear her. Um, yeah, what I want to do is form a chain of questions from one MP to the next as we go through the uh, podcast. But obviously there's nobody to start. So I will have to start with the first question. And uh, it is born out of listening to the best of Jeremy Vine on the radio over Christmas, which is possibly an oxymoron. Um, if, it kind of feeds into what we've been talking about, believe me. If a man, huh? while you're out in the stump, yeah. right, you're talking to your constituents. Yeah. If a man, a farmer, said that he had seen a badger eating a lamb, what would you say to him? I'd say, uh, well, it depends who was asking me the question. Well, no, I'd, I'd say, well, that's, that's, that's very concerning. I've never heard of that. See, I was shouting at the radio going, that's nonsense. Badgers don't eat no, lambs. Badgers don't. Right? Yeah. So my point is, why I'd not, why not call him more out? Evidence. Why not say, no, you're crazy. Badgers don't eat lambs. No, I think Isn't that where we're at in politics now, is that nonsense needs to be called out? I agree that nonsense needs to be called out. It's something that we do regularly, but... But whether it's from MPs or members of but the public. But it's why, actually, if, if constituents approach me with this as an issue, you ask them for evidence of that, or you ask them to put in, into an email so that they can set out Every what's time. happened. I mean, even if it's quite clearly mad. Well, if, if somebody has evidence of something happening, then you, then you should consider it. But I think it is on the person who is making the claim to provide the evidence. Isn't it on you as a... You know, man who's been educated at Dundee and Antwerp, and you know where Antwerp no is. No less. You know That's where Antwerp right. is. Yeah. An MP to call out people when they're talking rubbish. I mean, this is how, isn't this where yeah, we got can, to with we, the EU referendum? It's, it's, a lot, it's built on a lot of myths and lies. I was being criticised on um, talk radio recently for calling out some of the nonsense that was being talked about. Like, and I'm, 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 But people keep repeating it like, when EU tells you to do things, or what's the difference between the UK, there's no difference between the U- UK Union and the European Union, that is nonsense. Well, clearly there's, there's a difference, but I, all right, we'll, we'll, that's the broad, we've covered that. Um, but yeah, is that, is that the approach? I mean, this is the thing, is, is the approach to say, to call people out? I think or is to, it, do to, you have to be smarter than that? Do well, you have to be cuter and say, okay, I hear what you're saying, and then, Explain back to them. How do well, you, you if, know, if, we are in this post-Brexit, post-Trump yeah, world. I think, How do you deal with I th- I think people who believe point. things that aren't true? Yeah. If, if, for instance, right, but this is where I was, I was trying, maybe you're, you're, you're questioning. If a farmer in my constituency mm. said, a wild badger was eating one of my lambs, mm. I will presume that he knows a lot more about farming than I do and about the wildlife around his farm. But I will still require evidence from him. So there, there is, I think, I think you've got to make a judgment call. If, on the other hand, you know, you have people who are saying things that we know not to be true, and a lot of this happened in the EU with some of the horrific guff that was sort of spoken in the, the, the EU referendum by the, the Leave campaign primarily, then, yeah, you call it out. But then we call it out in the chamber so on a regular experts, basis. It? It's experts. It's, you know, your farmer you know, is an expert. Experts so you trust know bad experts thing. to know stuff. Well, you also ask them for evidence. Sure. You know, but but you, I think you also accept, as you say, that if somebody's studied something for however many years or whatever, or done the job, 
they're going to know I trust something f- about it. it. Doesn't mean they're always right. No, but- of course not. But 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 you have to take the view into. Look, I trust a farmer to know more about his or her farm and what's going on in his or her farm than an MP who's just happened to stroll onto their farmland. Sure. Okay. So we need to respect experts as part of it. Experts, and people with experience. Yeah. You the second part of that, I suppose, is what we, we've talked about earlier about yeah. you know this stuff is complicated, isn't that? Also, what people need to accept is that politics is difficult, it's complicated, and there are no easy answers, despite the last 12 months at least, yes. people being offered easy answers. Yeah, I'm nodding, which is not very good for yeah. the radio. Um, but but yeah. how do you do that? How do you, you know, get through to people that look, everybody... You know, we know is, what we're talking about. There is something, we, we all have a responsibility for the decisions that we make. You know, we all have a responsibility, something that, that is incumbent on me. I have to take responsibility decisions. I take similarly with other people who, who, who make decisions, and we need to make those decisions with the best of our knowledge and using the best of our judgment. That's why we sometimes come up with different decisions, but we need to call it out. And this is why during the... And it is messy, and that's why, you know, the EU was messy, but it's mm. messy because there are 28 member states with different interests, with different opinions about things, but they come together and they seek agreement where they can, and that's better for all of us. In fact, the EU is, is a bigger example, but it's a good example. Yeah, and it's going to be messy outside so. the EU. That's the thing. Is it's it, going it's to be a lot of people think it's going to be, all oh, right, we got rid of them, we can just do what we like. But no, clearly that's not the no, case. That's, not the case. That's what people need to understand. Yeah, you, 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 you can't no, just rock up to India and go, we used to own you, do you want to buy some whiskey? Yeah, it's not quite like that. There's no country in the world that is... Fully sovereign in the old fight. We always mm. have to take account. We always have to cons- um, give consideration, and we share sovereignty. We share sovereignty, and to a certain extent, in the United Nations, in NATO, in other places like that. The whole concept of independence is basically sunk, isn't it? It's not well, a real no, thing. It's just it's um, it's making up your own mind and working with your partners on an equal and normal basis. Fine, uh, you make a good case for it. I'll give you that. Um, What's your question for my next... I don't know who my next guest is at the moment because it's right. the start of the year. What's I your think question? it should be a bit lighter than your question yes. was there. What about... Tell you what, since I'm, since I'm Europe's spokesperson, I want to know what your guest's favourite European country is. Uh, that's a good one. What's your favourite European country? Um, I have a number of favourite European countries. I love Belgium. I thought, I thought you were going to say that. I, I love Belgium. set that one up for you. Yeah. Um, okay, listen... Um, I've asked you enough questions and asked you to ask enough questions as well. Uh, so we will uh, call it a day there. Uh, so I will say thank you to my guest, Stephen Gethins. Thank you. Um, tune in next week for another Political Yetis Politics podcast. And if you want to get in touch in the meantime, to either ask questions, give me ideas for better jingles slash features. I am at Political Yeti on Twitter and I am politicalyeti at gmail.com on the email. Uh, So yeah, tune in next week for another podcast. Thank you.